Hey, Chris Manning here from Locked on Cavs, joined today by Ricky O'Donnell from SB Nation and the Cash Considerations Podcast. We're going to talk about Lowry, Lowry, however you pronounce it, marketing, the newest Cleveland Cavalier late of the Chicago Bulls, and who better for, to talk about marketing with than Ricky? And uh, today's episode is brought to you by Fridays and Locked Envy. It's Adam Mares, Nick Angstead. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked on Cavs. Your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Ricky, I say Lowry Markkinen. You say what? Like, what is your response when I just say his name? Like, what do you what do you think? Yeah, the the main thing I keep coming back to is he had an incredibly disappointing Bulls career. I think you can start with how the team acquired him uh, in the trade for Jimmy Butler. The Bulls didn't even get that pick. They got no picks out of that trade. They got a pick swap, trading the 16th pick for the seventh pick, taking Mark, and then they also got uh, Zach Levine. That's worked out pretty well. And Chris Dunn, that did not work out. Uh, but I think that, you know, from the moment that trade was made, Markkinen looked like the best piece in the deal. Part of that was because Levine was coming off the ACL tear. Uh, Chris Dunn was coming off a historically bad rookie season. Levine obviously has turned himself into an incredible player, was an all-star last year, probably in line for a max contract one year from now after his uh, current deal expires. But Markkinen was the guy at the time. That's what it felt like. And I was someone who covered the draft for SB Nation, still do it. And in that class, uh, I, I was very uh, familiar with Markkinen. And I was disappointed with the pick at the time. I wanted them to take Malik Monk or Dennis Smith. Now, neither of those two opinions have aged particularly well. But uh, <laughs> hey, hey, Malik Monk like could win a ring. You know, Malik Monk might get a might get his might get his uh, his he's roses. He's also on a minimum year, contract, know? I believe, on the Lakers. And Lowry Marketing got what sixty seven million this <laughs> summer. So got got yeah, uh, got like a bunch of money. Well, got a Lowry, lot of money. For sure. So good so for Lowry. Basically, my you know my main thought on Lowry when I think back on his Bulls career is that I was disappointed that the Bulls traded Jimmy Butler to acquire that pick. I was disappointed that he was the selection. And then his rookie year, I'm like, I don't know, this guy looks kind of awesome. He was immediately a capable NBA scorer. He had some shortcomings in the rest of his game, but also he was a rookie. And, you know, he just looked like he belonged on an NBA floor from an early part of his career. The problem with Markkinen is that he never got any better. And if you just look at his basketball reference page, that kind of jumps out. His numbers very much stagnated. Uh, There is some, you know, context to that, uh, specifically the Bulls' lack of high-quality point guard play throughout his career. That could definitely be something that helps unlock some improvement in him as he moves on to Cleveland. Uh, but in general, I would say his stagnation was really disappointing, and uh, I, I can't lie, dude. I'm, I'm happy to have him off my favorite team. Now, I think that he could still be a pretty good player for the Cavs. He could still go on to have a wonderful NBA career. I have no ill will towards him personally. He always seemed like he tried as hard as he could try, and, uh, you know, th- there was – he didn't fail to live up to expectations for, uh, you know, what would be like a lack of effort or anything like that. But uh, just, just not, just not a satisfying Bulls career, and really felt like 
one of the final death nails in the Bulls Garpax era, uh, where, you know, those guys essentially had to fire themselves to get out of town. And now the Bulls have a new front office that is taking a totally different approach to team building. And that's been wonderful to see this offseason. Of course, there's no guarantees. We'll see how that one works out, too. It could go up in flames spectacularly, just like the Bulls rebuild from four years ago did. Uh, but I guess, you know, when I think about marketing, I just think about someone who who is ultimately a disappointment in Chicago. So I, I think the point guard point is astute, right? Like, I think, like, you're in a position there with him where it's like, I mean, like, he had, like, Kobe White, who's a score first guy. Like, Sidoransky was what, probably the best playmaker on the team last year. Um, like, you know, you mentioned Chris Dunn. Like, that's true. And then also, like, look, it's been Billy Donovan, who I who I like as a coach, but then it was Jim Boylan before that. Um, was he that was – was Hoiberg yeah. there still in 2017-18? So he had Hoy. Oh, okay. So he had Hoiberg, Boylan, and Billy Donovan. And, like, I, I think when you're running through stuff that much, that can be that can be really difficult. Like, that can just be a, a difficult thing for young players to navigate, I would, would assume. And, like, you know, I, it's kind of hard sometimes to, like, know how all of that is working when you're not in there every day. Um, I, I guess, like, when I look at this, Ricky, I, I think, okay, I can understand if you're going to tuck yourself into marketing because he's 24, 7 foot, can can definitely shoot like if there's a skill that he has that is definite that he can shoot threes but i look at like the trade cleveland made and it's like you traded for a more expensive guy who does only one thing clearly better than larry nance jr and i understand larry you know kind of indicated he wanted out i actually don't understand maybe you can explain to me why the bulls wouldn't just like take nance instead of Derek jones jr i think like he would have been amazing for for what the bulls are doing um i i don't quite understand that but like I can see how you talk yourself into it. I just like looked watching table, looking at all the numbers. I, I just come away just like very like okay, like is it like I? It's very hard from the outside for me to extrapolate like what is marketing? What is like on one hand like marketing's limitations, and on the other hand, what is like the result of the context of playing for a bunch of coaches, no point guard play, et cetera. The injuries as well, obviously. So, like, I, I have a hard time like, extrapolating, like, what what should fall in that ca- in category A and what should fall in category B as far as assigning, re- like, credit or blame or whatever to sure. what his career I has think, been so far. The thing about Markinen is he is kind of a one-dimensional player, and before last year, his one dimension wasn't that good. He came into the league with this reputation as being a knockdown shooter, and he's a capable shooter, sure, but through the first three years of his career, this is just off the top of my head. Feel free to fact check me on this. I want to say he only hit 35% of his threes on a relatively modest volume. Last year was the best year of his career, and he hit 40% of his threes, which is great. And he had a really nice start, tailed off a little bit, but still, you know, solid year shooting the ball for Markkinen. And if the Cavs, if Cavs fans want to talk themselves into Markkinen being worth that contract, uh, well, of course, you know, always pay the players. Like, he's worth it. But it's just like the percentage of the salary cap that's taking up the other things they could have done, Nance being off the team now. If you want to talk yourself into him, the one thing he's going to have to do is shoot. And if he shoots... I think that you can make a case that he pairs pretty well with both Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. You could have lineups with Markinen at the four next to either of those guys. He'll be a floor spacer. Uh, hopefully he can crank up the volume a little bit. Hopefully he'll be able to find himself uh, some better opportunities. I don't think Markinen ever played with a defensive anchor in Chicago as good as either of those guys. Uh, in Chicago, it was always 
the Wendell Carter, Lowry Markin pair. How would that work out? And I was very high on Wendell Carter when he was drafted by the team, but he stunk. Uh, he was too small. His like the selling point on him was that he was going to be a high skill guy. And that skill and that feel that he supposedly had coming out of Duke never really translated. Maybe part of that was just playing next to Marvin Bagley. He looked skilled and he looked like a high field guy next to Marvin Bagley. But when he got in the NBA, uh, those qualities didn't really come to fruition the way the Bulls had hoped. So if you're trying to talk yourself into marketing, I think for sure, like Jared Allen's a pretty dope defender. I think Evan Mobley could be phenomenal. I know I was on this podcast pre-draft and I love him. So I think he could play with either of those two guys, be a floor spacer, be a high volume shooter. And then, you know, if you want to look at him offensively, like the thing that really jumps out to me, like when the Bulls took him, I mean, he was wearing the next Dirk tag, right? Just because he's a tall foreign born white guy who can shoot threes. But the thing that marketing could not do is create his own shot. And if you look at his numbers last year on basketball reference, I think 85% of his field goal attempts were assisted. Maybe it's his makes, but you know, 85% of his field goals were assisted. The year before it was 75. The year before that it was about 70. So he's always been someone who's been very reliant on other people to set him up offensively. Uh, he's not someone who you're going to give the ball to. He's going to isolate at the top of the key. He's going to dribble between his legs a few times and get to the basket or create offense. That's not really what he does. Uh, he's someone who can finish plays. He doesn't really leverage his scoring to set up his teammates for success, which has always been an issue. He's not someone who consistently gets to the foul line. He just doesn't get himself easy points, and he doesn't help create easy looks for his teammates. But there certainly is a value to that spacing, right? Like spacing is like when you don't have it, you notice it so much. And I know that the Cavs have been kind of a team with, uh, you know, a spacing crunch a bit over the last few years. So marketing could certainly address that. Uh, I thought Darius Garland was really impressive last year in his second season. If Garland takes a step up uh, as a facilitator and not just a pull-up shooter, I think that that could mean good things for Lowry. And to me, like... The fresh start is probably the best thing that could have happened to Markinen. I think that he was ready to move on from Chicago. The front office that drafted him was gone. Uh, he had to live through the Boylan era, which I'm sure, I mean, I felt scarred by it. Oh. Le- leadership council, yeah, Ricky. Which he was leadership council. Markinen was not a part of that okay. leadership council. Maybe big, car- big, full- big, big blinking warning sign right there. Not on the leadership council under Jim Boylan. Unbelievable stuff, Larry. Yeah, Come I on, get that, yourself you know, you together. You can talk yourself into it as a Cavs fan. Uh, it seems like a lot of money, but you know, good for Markinen for getting the money he was seeking. And we'll see how mm-hmm. it plays out. I do think he can play with either of the bigs, though. And I think that Garland will be the best facilitator he's ever played with. And those would be my starting points if you're trying to talk yourself into marketing. Yeah, well, let's talk about Garland and Rubio here in a second. But first, got to tell everyone about our friends at Bet Online. Look, it's that time of year again, and your eyes are now turning into football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. Um, as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. Get updated on the odds, props, and contests, including on- the online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's large $200,000 NFL survivor contest open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100 
100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo, which is making a bet on th on the Thursday, September 9th opener between the Super Bowl champion Bucks and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose your wager, will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only. And that's signing up using promo code NFL100. It's the fastest way to bet on all your sports action from football to basketball to boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sports book experts. And if you want other promo code locked on. Also got to tell you about our friends at DirecTV. And they're telling you to bring your television back together. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. Another lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. Like I'm sure Ricky's trying to watch some Justin Field highlights instead of Andy Talton highlights. And you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle, and that's DirecTV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling our remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. So I, I think the, the creator point is smart because not only do you have Darius Garland, who I think is going to have a lot of responsibility on his plate this year in terms of orchestrating what Cleveland is going to do, whatever that looks like offensively under G.B. Bickerstaff and year two and a half, first full year, like sort of halfway out of the pandemic, whatever. I think like that is going to be a big thing. I also think like the Ricky Rubio pairing for him is probably going to be good because Ricky Rubio is not going to be Spain Ricky Rubio, obviously. But Ricky Rubio is really smart. He has historically been very good working with young guys. He's willing to play that role. We'll see what like the limit. I'm curious to see what the limits of that are in a, in an organization he doesn't have like a prior relationship with, right? Like, I have concerns about like what that is going to look like if he gets a little bit disgruntled and the Cavs are losing games and he's like, I would like to go like play winning basketball. I'm 30 years old, et cetera. Like, I think that's like a, a storyline to watch. Um, I, but I, I like I, I think there's questions like do you start like is it what do you start marketing with Allen and bring Moldy along slowly do you bring marketing off the bench and like him and Rubio kind of anchor your bench units I, I think like how JB Baker staff deploys him will tell us a lot about what the Cavs are going to try to do offensively because I think if you're saying like okay day one we need to have the best functioning offense we can and get things going. It is, I think, going probably a market in Allen frontcourt and bringing Mobley along slowly. There's precedent, obviously, for bringing high picks off the bench. Lamella Ball came off the bench to start last year. It's there's a bunch of other examples. I, j I just don't. We don't know yet, and I, I I'll be curious to see how they how they handle Markkinen's role and kind of get him going and, and try yeah, to really maximize like the bigger question life. around the franchise is probably the Mobley Allen pairing. And when you yes. get to the answer of that question, you can start to figure out how marketing kind of factors into that equation. Because ultimately, like, I think Evan Mobley is the best long-term prospect on the Cavs. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Darius Garland looks pretty good. Okoro had a promising rookie year and could definitely take a step up so he can improve as an outside shooter and just start to, you know, flesh out his offensive game. But I'm very high on Mobley. I think Mobley's going to kick ass. So... The question is, like, how do these pieces fit around Mobley? And, uh, you know, in a mm -hmm. long-term view, I think Mobley can be awesome defensively. Now, Markkinen doesn't really provide much defensive ability for a seven-footer. It's one of the most sort of uh, 
underwhelming things about him. Like, all guards will knock him yes. off his place when he's in the paint, basically without problem. Not, not what you want when you guys seven foot and listed at yeah, 240. Yeah, and that's the like, thing. Really like, he couldn't really play center because he couldn't hold his ground in the paint. He would come back every offseason with these big biceps, and he'd be throwing down under-the-legs dunks in warm-up lines. Watch out for that. He does it every game. Same under-the-legs dunk every game. Uh, and he's got these glamour muscles, and they look good, and we were always talking ourselves into marketing year-over-year improvement, and it just never happened. But Telling me Lowry oh, skips I mean, leg day is the vibe that I'm getting here. It's like hit, hitting hit, – Hitting like the pythons, hitting like his arm circuits, getting in that upper body, but never squatting is what is the vibe we're getting here. Tough look for Lowry if that is yeah, true. Who's got time for lower body? You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I think that marketing can pair well with either of those guys. So, if the question is like, does he start from day one? Yeah, maybe. I think it's totally possible. Like, if the Cavs are fashioning themselves as a team that wants to take a big jump up the standings, that's probably their best course of action. You're and I and I I think they do. I think like there is pressure on them to be better, and I I would imagine that this year has some indication on JB Bickerstaff and Kobe Altman's futures. And like I tend to think that means you're going to make some win now decisions in, in some capacity. Yeah, and, and Lowry like, starting might be about that. pairing Lowry with other guys. Really, the guy he pairs well with is Okoro because he can space the floor for Okoro offensively. And then defensively, Okoro's ability might take some of the heat off Markinen to sort of hold his own defensively. So I think that those two guys, as a pairing, is potentially pretty awesome. And then if you're looking at a lineup with Garland at point, uh, Sexton at the two, Okoro at the three, Markinen at the four, Allen at the five, I mean, the Cavs have had worse teams, man, over the last, you know, four years, whatever it's been since LeBron left. So uh, I think that you can look at that and start to feel a tinge of optimism that like maybe the Cavs are trending in the right direction. And as I've mentioned, like I think the best piece would be on the bench in that situation and Mobley bring them along slowly. It doesn't really matter. You said, you know, you called it out that LaMelo ball was also coming off the bench last year behind Terry Rozier. So uh, I don't think that, you know, if they decide to start marketing, over Mobley, that doesn't really mean anything for Evan Mobley's long-term future. Like he's still going to have every opportunity to prove that uh, he can be a star in the league. So I do like the pairing of marketing with Okoro. I think when you have someone like Okoro who has some obvious skills and some obvious shortcomings in his game, like it makes sense to try to balance out the floor with a guy who is a better shooter than Larry Nance and who, you know, opposing defenses are going to have to respect at the three-point line. So I think that that was sort of the Cavs' mindset in terms of making the move. Uh, certainly, I think it's a little bit of a risky move, but Markinen probably also has some upside for the reasons we've gone over. And will he start day one? I mean, you would know more than me, but I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked just because he does – he started a lot of games over his NBA career. I mean, he basically started for the first three years of his career, more or less – uh, he came off the bench a bit as a rookie behind Nikola Miritich, but, uh, you know, he, he was a foundational piece for the Bulls' last rebuild, which did not succeed. So uh, I think that it's possible he'll be in the starting lineup for sure. I think the Okoro point is is dead on just because I think Okoro, 
like his shooting for him to hit his ceiling, his shooting has to improve in some way. Well, and I don't take a ton of stock in the end of last season stuff, just because like I think garbage time tends to be like end of season stuff. Like tends to I don't. It's hard to know what's going to carry over and what's not. It's just impossible to sort of gauge some of that. But Okoro like showed some real promise as a slasher and as a cutter, and he's very good at attacking lazy closeouts. And if like if the defense tilts back towards like market on the other side a little bit, and he can get a pass swung back his way and then attack it, he's going to probably yam on the center. Like he can do that if his handle's a little bit tighter than it was. Um, you can you can make that work. I think th- I want to see him and Mobley play together too, just because like Mobley, I'm I. Like the summer league stuff didn't really like phase me. I thought like he did some stuff that was really interesting, and seeing him up close, you re- like I I went and just seeing him like basically just be like a seven foot like like long monster. It's just like you're like oh like I see how this is going to work if it if it pops for him. But like I you know if he's if neither of them are really strong enough to like hang in the pivot. Like I don't know if you can play like can you play them together. It, it, if you're trying to like win some games, can you suffer the minutes, or are you willing to suffer the minutes where like he, Mo, it's Moby and Marketing, and you're playing like Sabonis and Turner, and like can you can, like are the Cavs going to be willing to suffer through some of the brunt force that I don't like that might be Mobley's thing year one is like he's not going to handle some of the the beefier centers like I mean I just don't know how he's going to look in those situations because he's rail thin even if he's like gonna add, like he's going to add muscle. He keeps talking about when he's spoken how much muscle he needs to he knows he needs to add until it gets scary for him. So it's going to be an open question. I, I, I before we go into the last break, what what is marketing on defense? What is he like as a, as a defender? If he's not a guy who can defend fives, what, so what is what, he on the defensive end? What kills end? me about marketing? These are his per thirty six minutes, point four blocks, point seven steals, one point two assists. So uh, essentially. He's someone who's, you know, just not going to create a lot of events defensively. I think that the way the four position has evolved over the last five years, now you mostly got bigger wings playing that spot. Now, some of those guys are like Royce O'Neal types, where they're pretty much just defensive wing stoppers, and they're not really on the floor for anything more than like being sort of a shaky, low-volume three-point shooter. So marketing can occasionally punish those guys because he does have some semblance of game taking the ball off the dribble and he is a good shooter so i think that like you want to see him punish those mismatches on offense and then defensively uh he's just not a very good defensive player i mean he's not quick enough on the perimeter to defend most fours and he's not strong enough on the interior to defend most fives so you're getting him for his offense and the fact that they have allen in eventually mobley to be like really strong defensive components of the team, I think that that will help. That will make his life easier. And really, with Markkanen, it's just like just catch and shoot, bro. Because defensively, he's not going to be a game changer at all. The hope is just that he can be in the right position. When you're seven feet tall, you're just going to take up space if you're in the right position. Uh, he was at one point a really good rebounder with Robin Lopez when Robin Lopez was the bull starting center because Rolo would just box everyone out and allow Markinen to swoop in and take the rebound. So uh, he's not a horrible rebounder, but he's a little bit of an underwhelming rebounder. And then, yeah, I think, you know, he's just one of those guys who even more so than like defending post-ups and stuff, it's like, how does he defend smaller guards driving into his chest? And is he going to hold his grounder? Is he going to get knocked back? And, you know, when he was on the Bulls, he was getting knocked back consistently, and it was just disappointing because every year he came back with these big biceps and uh, still couldn't 
you know, absorb contact around the rim defensively. So I think on defense, I wouldn't get your hopes super high. You know, hopefully he can be average. Hopefully he can be someone who you're like, ah, I didn't really notice him that much defensively in that game. That's probably the best case scenario. And that's totally okay as long as he's a plus-plus offensive player and a floor spacer. So uh, that's going to be his game. And, you know, whatever you get from him defensively is gravy. All right, one more break. Got to talk more about our friends at Rock Auto. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. So why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? For example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store. It's only $216 at Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. For example, uh, my co-host Evan Damro uh, saved a bunch of money ordering parts to replace his air conditioner last summer, and like that's really important when it's hot and you don't want to sweat just driving to the grocery store. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution for your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Got to tell you about our friends at Built Bar as well. Built Bar has so many great flavors, coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, and more. They also have a mix box if you want to try each of the nine flavors they've out right now, and they have special drops from time to time as well. So like they dropped a cookie to one randomly, and it's pretty good when you get it. So not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, they're healthy too. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, four to five grams of sugar, four to five grams of net carbs, amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. Order today. Get that strawberry, that cherry barcia, that mint brownie, a mix box, or whatever it is you like. And Built Bar is the official protein bar of the United States track and field team. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15. That is LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Ricky, so two last things we're going to hit here. Number one, Cavs offseason essentially has been Nance goes out, they draft Mobley, they bring in marketing, they bring in Ricky Rubio via the trading out Torian Prince. Cavs offseason to you, like, what what do you make of, of that sort yeah. of collection of moves? So I'll just say, like, league-wide, it seems like there's not many teams taking a long-term approach to their franchise right now. The majority of the teams in the league, I think, feel inspired by the Phoenix Suns Cinderella run to the NBA Finals last year, and they feel inspired by the Bucks winning the championship after such a poor showing in the bubble the year before. And they're going for it. If you look at the top 10 teams in the East, they're all pretty good. And you know, they're all going for it. And, you know, we'll see what happens with the Pacers now. TJ Warren's hurt, but, like, that's a team that's got some veteran talent. Like, they're not thinking about the future. They got Rick Carlisle in there. They want to win right now. That might be the 10th best team in the East. So when I look at the Cavs, when I think about the Cavs offseason, I see a team that is not yet ready to make its move up the standings. Uh, I think that that's, that's relatively apparent. Like, even though they have some nice pieces that they brought in this year, I think that the best is yet to come for the Cavs. And whatever the Cavs are this year – Uh, isn't necessarily going to be an indictment on the future. Like, obviously, you want Garland to take a step forward. You want to see what happens with Sexton uh, in terms of the team's long-term plans with him. Like, is Sexton going to be around three years from now? Is he someone you're going to flip? 
so that's interesting. And then, of course, you have Allen on his new deal. You have Mobley, how that pairing works out, and then Markkinen fits into it. And then, uh, you know, Okoro, too, is a former number five overall pick entering his second year. You want to see significant improvement year over year from him. So when I think about the Cavs offseason, I would just say that, uh, you know, they're not going into this season being like, we need to get the eighth seed. They're not going into this season being like, we need to get a spot in the plan. They are still all about internal improvement and development. And one day that won't be the main focus of the team. One day, one of these guys will become, you know, the headline star. Then you sign some free agents and you bring in a more veteran team that's poised to win around them. Uh, But for right now, I think it's still a team taking a long-term view And there's not that many of those left anymore. I mean, you could put the Pistons in there. You could put, I guess, the Wolves in there, even though they're going to have to, you know, figure out what to do with with Pat. (laughs) You could convince me the Wolves, what the Wolves are doing at any point. I'd be like, sure. Like, that makes sense. Whatever. You got the Thunder, the Rockets. So, uh, in terms of teams that are are taking a big picture view, I think the Cavs are one of them. And uh, that's kind of year you're setting yourself up for. Yeah, I agree. I think they're going to try and and I think they're looking for improvement. I would be curious to see if how would they define them because like they like I think the Bulls are a good kind of comparison point here is like the Bulls were like we need to improve. We also have the money to go do that. We can go get Lonzo Ball. We can go get DeMar DeRozan. We can we traded for Vooch last year. Like they were they got Alex Caruso. Like they they were not shy about throwing money around in free agency to go improve. The Cavs, on the other hand, like didn't have money. They were like, I think, interested in various guys, but were kind of priced out. And their big like move was a trade using an expiring contract to get Ricky Rubio, um, also an expiring contract. So it's it is sort of like, I think, some stuff that helps the infrastructure. But the big move is really just getting Mobley, and you need to see Garland improve, and Sexton improve, and Okora improve, and and you know, you bring back Jared Allen as well. But none of those moves are like. Like, I think, like, if you needed to in a year or two and, like, Allen... Like, the marketing contract is, I think, has a little bit of sticker shock, but it is not, like, a significant amount of long-term money. The Allen deal, like, unless he just regresses, I bet you, if you if you decide in two in a year and a half or two years that, like, you want to go marketing in and Mobley because Mobley's added a bunch of muscle and you want to play him at the five and that's his best spot, you could probably trade Jared Allen if you need to. Like, I, I, don't, I suspect you could find a team that would be, like, we would love to have Jared Allen on, on our team and, and you can deal with that. Um, it, it's just, I, I think like just when you have, I just think it comes down to like the Kevin, the having Kevin Love basically means you, you could not accelerate any other way. Like the Kevin, like you could, if you don't have the Kevin Love contract, and I've said this a lot, so I don't want to like beat the, the dead point here. And then we're recording this like I, I, either the day after or on Kevin Love's birthday. Um, 33 he's making a bunch of money next year if you didn't have that money you could have thrown like a little bit extra if you wanted to improve you probably i don't know if you're getting alonzo or something like that but like throwing money at josh hart to so you're so like jetty osmond and dylan windler and damian dodson aren't your backup wings is like a thing you could have done but like that wasn't the path there i think that brings us to something we just i helped i pitched in a little bit on this post you did for sb nation nba with the folks over at liberty ballers for ben simmons I totally if the Cavs could get Ben Simmons, I would do it, right? Like he's a he'd be the best player to team immediately. The warts and all. I think I think for him it'd be interesting to see him go to like a market where he could have some time to like grow back into like a potential like best guy in a team or second best guy in a team and not get thrown deep into that fire right away. I don't know if that's how it's going to shake out, but I would be curious to see how that would look if he got to go to that situation. Cleveland would be that situation. I just don't know how that like in a post market and trade market and move world. I don't know how that 
really works. Like, I can't find a trade that both sides would do. Like, I could see trades Cleveland might do, the one that you, you can run people through it that I think the Cavs would probably be like, sure, why not? I also, I think on the other side of it, like, why would Philly, there's, I don't know what Cleveland has that Philly would really be enticed by at this point. Yeah. Uh, in terms of a Ben Simmons trade, I do think that, you know, a team like the Cavs, it isn't typically a free agent destination would possibly be the best place for Ben Simmons. He's been, you know, tied to the Timberwolves a little bit. Uh, how often are the Blazers getting marquee free agents, even though that's sort of like a glamour franchise around the league, uh, you know, Pacers was another team I threw out there for him. So, yeah, the Simmons thing continues to hang over the league. The Cavs reportedly yesterday, like, had interest in him. But uh, I think just, like, backing up a little bit, like, what happened with the Bulls is that they did this rebuild that the Cavs are currently doing, right, where you, like, draft all these guys high. They're all top ten picks, Sexton, Garland, Okoro, Mobley. And you're hoping that they gel into something that can become – the foundation of a team that can rise up the Eastern Conference and become a consistent playoff team. That's the goal, right? And then you add to that young core with free agents, with trades, and you become a great team. That's the long-term vision. I think what happened with the Bulls is that they realized that their core, which was marketing, Wendell Carter, Kobe White, throw Zach Levine in there too, uh, that wasn't going to lead them to anything. That They were just drawn dead with that, right? Like there was no upside. There was no ceiling with that. And they had to look at themselves in the mirror and say, we're not going anywhere. What we have been doing, our process to get to this point is deeply flawed. And maybe it's time to try something new. Just because you were able to draft Kirk Heinrich, Lou Alding, and Ben Gordon to become a solid foundation of a future playoff team doesn't mean you can do it every single time. You're picking seventh. And they weren't able to do it this time. And they had to, you know, change their approach. And that started with changing front offices because what they had was not going to lead them to any sort of consistent success. So the Cavs are still in that point where they're like, all right, like we're, we're still into this rebuild. We still want to see what happens with this rebuild. We're not ready to cash in Darius Garland yet. We're not, you know, they are still holding on to Sexton. Is Sexton in the long-term plans of the franchise? I mean, you tell me, but it seems like he's someone they would trade if they could find a, a good partner for him. But yeah. Well, I, I think it's telling that he's extension eligible and there's been like very little movement on like a, a deal coming to fruition. Like they weren't like rolling out the red carpet to give him like whatever money he wanted. And this is a guy that the last couple of years, because like this is what teams kind of have to do to some extent. Like they've pushed him as like a player of the week nominee a lot. Like they've, they've nominated him for stuff. Like they've really marketed him as like a, a cornerstone and he's put up some really good numbers. He's, he's been inarguably, I think the most consistently good young player post LeBron just he's he's improved every year there's a lot of stuff to like about him but they didn't like roll out the red carpet to like give him like an extension this offseason like and there's been it's been very quiet on that front yeah so you know you'll, you'll see like same thing happened to the bulls with marketing last year right like there wasn't an extension they were apparently four million dollars apart and shout out to lowry because he got the money he was looking for so these are just problems like the rebuild always sounds good when you start it and then from the Bulls' perspective, like, they were just picking seventh every year. They finally fire Garpax, and they get the fourth pick. They take Patrick Williams. For the Cavs, like, you guys, the, the team got very lucky by jumping up to number three, getting Evan Mobley. Now, is Evan Mobley a lock to be a, 
all NBA level player. Of course, not none of these guys are locks. You could say the same thing about Kate Cunningham and Jalen Green. And with Mobley, there's probably like more variants just because he does need to like add strength to his frame. And is that going to be possible? How long is that going to take? Will he maintain the same movement skills when he adds more bulk? Uh, these are all questions that could sort of, you know, determine his future, the Cavs' future, all these things. But the Cavs are still in the in the build-up phase, and the Bulls decided the build-up phase was not going to be worth it. So I think that that's sort of how you got to look at where the Cavs are right now. And in terms of Ben Simmons, like I just don't think the Cavs are ready for that type of move. And also, as you alluded to, like is it is the Cavs' best package even enough to get him? against someone else like probably not but then you know the other thing with ben simmons is no one can agree how good he is like you say he's a 25 year old all-star and he's six foot ten and super fast and is a plus passer and he has you know again once again obvious strengths and obvious weaknesses in his skill set maybe more than any player in the league and uh you know it, it, look at the the kings like he would be the best player on the kings he'd be the best player on the kings since i want to say chris weber but it's boogie boogie just popped into my head as i started that sentence but, uh, like, the Kings don't want to trade Tyrese Halliburton for him. So, I get it, because no one can really agree on how good Ben Simmons is. I can tell you what I think, but no one cares what I think. So, it's just a similar situation that, you know, smaller market franchises around the league are in. And that's why it is just going to be so hard for Philadelphia to come to a satisfying consensus for all parties as they try to do this Ben Simmons trade. Yeah, uh, I just can't wait for the inevitable day where it's just like I'm a column Simmons swap of some version that just feels like what like the natural outcome of this uh, might be to some extent, or maybe the Kings thing comes through, maybe or maybe they're just like you know what, like we, I, I just like I thought about like what wouldn't would they like Sexton? I'm just like well. He, maybe, but like you have Tyrese Maxey, who's like maybe not he's not as good now, but like you have to pay Sexton if you trade for him, basically. And like, is that a win? Is that as much of a win now move when you have Joel? It's this. It's so complicated. And like, look, again, like to wrap this up with Lowry, I, I get why the Cavs do it. Like, Nance, like, a wanted out. Oh, was pretty clear about that in the letter that he wrote. And as much as a timeline exists, like. Lowry fits what you're doing better. Um, Ricky, any final thoughts on, on the Bulls, on the East, on Lowry? Any, any final takes you want to throw off? I guess I'll say if you're a Cavs up? fan, like, it's it's all about Mobley to me. Like, Mobley, Okoro, how those guys develop, Garland. That's pretty intriguing young core. I'll say that that's better than anything the Bulls had when they were banking on, uh, you know, Kobe Markinen and – Carter. Now, Levine really leveled up for the Bulls. And if Levine didn't level up, I think the Bulls probably just rebuild through the draft and that they're not given DeMar DeRozan $85 million and they're probably not a destination Lonzo Ball wants to come to. But you had the one guy take the big step up and then everything else sort of like that put pressure on everything else to fall in line. And your Cavs fan, I think that, you know, they're still in the buildup phase. Uh, and it's sort of nice as a sports fan, too, because one of the toughest things about being a fan is, like, the burden of expectations. When now, like, one thing I'm looking forward to about this Bulls season is that every game is going to matter. They're going to be playing the Pacers in January, and I'm going to be like, let's go! It'll actually matter for the first time in, like, four years. Also, like, you know, I'm talking to some of my friends who are also fans of the team, and they're like, dude, if they win 41 games, this is a disaster. Burn it down. And I'm like... 
I personally didn't really share that view just because they were stuck anyway. But Cavs fans, no expectations. Hope the young guys can do well. And yeah, I mean, it's just all about it's all about the young core, seeing their internal development, and you know, uh, there's more to this season than wins and losses, which is nice uh, from a certain perspective. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. Uh, check out Ricky's work at SB Nation NBA. Check out the Cash Considerations podcast. Octon Cows will be back on Monday. Everyone have a good weekend, and we'll talk to you soon.